Victoria College is a public, open admission college. Our mission is to provide educational opportunities and services for our students and the communities we serve. For more information, please visit us at www.victoriacollege.com to schedule your tour. And welcome into episode 51 of The Grid. I'm Gabe Myers. Alongside me as usual is Mike Foreman and Jeremiah Sosa. 51, we decided on Randy Johnson. This is our Randy Johnson episode, The Big Unit. And we're going to start out a little differently. A lot of week one action to get to. We're really excited to talk about football that happened on the field. Competitive action. Really excited to get into that. But first, we got to start off with something that kind of shocked all three of us here. Uh, former Victoria East quarterback Bailey Zappi, who been playing for the Patriots, made a couple of starts last year. He was cut by New England this week, and he ended up getting he cleared waivers, so he's back on the Patriots practice squad. But it's kind of something that shocked us all. And Mike, I'll kind of throw it to you here to start. What you know? What's next for the former uh, Victoria East graduate, for the former Titan? Well, uh, I guess it depends on what uh, New England decides to do. Uh, right now, they have uh, Mac Jones as the only quarterback on their roster. You know? Anybody that watches the NFL knows you cannot go through a season with one quarterback. I'm sorry. You've got to have two, probably three. So, uh, the interesting, I, I guess Belichick has got something to see there that... Uh, he may know a quarterback out there he's looking at or uh, he's expecting uh, you know, to be cut or, or maybe they're going to make a trade. I don't know. Uh, but the whole thing's puzzling because, one, um, I don't think they were that happy with Mac Jones. And now, all of a sudden, he's their man. So, uh, you know, a little hard to figure. I'm happy for Bailey that he was able to get picked up on the practice board. Yeah, there was kind of a sense coming into camp that it was, well, if Mac plays poorly, you know, Zappi showed well in a couple of starts last year, maybe he could get a chance to earn the starting nod. And even as camp progressed where it became clear, okay, Mac, I, I always call him a corkle because that's his middle name, but it, it became clear that Mac was, you know, he was going to be a starter, at least heading into week one. It was, okay, well, it's either going to be Malik Cunningham or Bailey Zappi. That was, that's what the reporting was. Well, Cunningham's having a good camp. One of those two will get, you know, put on waivers. Well, then they both did. So that's what makes this really puzzling because if they had kept Cunningham, it's like, okay, well, he's mobile. Belichick likes mobile QBs. Okay, you know, it's something that at least makes some sense. But cutting both of them, like you said, they got it. My first thing was, where's Brian Hoyer? Is he, uh, <laughs> is, uh, you know, that's a, that's kind of a Belichick guy. But it, it, it is puzzling to say the least because, like you said, they only got Mac Jones on the roster and, you can't you can't go through the season with just one quarterback. No, uh, yeah, not, I, I know. Uh, what, Jeremiah, what were your thoughts? I mean, I know you spoke to Bailey when he came back for the East Banquet and they retired his jersey. Uh, kind of, what are your thoughts when you heard the news? Yeah, well, similar to to what Mike said, I was just surprised, especially uh, you know with with the, with the production that he had last season, when starting two games, playing four, winning both of the starts. Um, and I think for, for the NFL, uh, I think it's a new rule where I think you're allowed to have three quarterbacks in the active roster for, for a game, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, that was surprising that they, they just went they're going into the season with just Jones on, on the 53-man roster. Um, and then, you know, Cunningham, they were, there was talks of him, you know, going to wide receiver. 
well, he, he said it himself that like he, he didn't really care where he played. He just wanted to be on the field. Um, so for both of them to, you know, be cut uh, and put on the practice squad, it was definitely surprising. But, um, yeah, hopefully he can, uh, you know, find a way to get, get back on, on the active roster. Like Mike said, I think it, it'll be hard to have, uh, you know, Josh Jones on that roster when the season comes. Yeah, Jeremiah, you mentioned kind of the NFL's rule changes. So for for those unfamiliar, you can have a quarterback on your practice squad. So you only get 46 guys that dress out on NFL game day. It's a 53-man roster. Um, but the rule is now for quarterbacks, you can, you know, not have a quarterback take a spot on your active roster throughout the week, but then elevate them for game day. So that evidently that's the route Belichick is choosing to go, which is, hey, we're going to keep an extra, whether it's offensive lineman or wide receiver or whatever position they deem they needed a depth at. We're going to keep an extra, you know, extra somebody else, move the quarterbacks down to the practice squad and elevate whether it's Zappy or Malik Cunningham. And, you know, in our case, we hope it's Zappy. We hope to see him on the field. Um, but, you know, elevate Zappy to, to the roster on game day. So, but again, just, uh, you know, when you put someone on waivers, you're prepared to lose them. It's uh, it, it was it's intriguing to kind of see how this works. So this is a new rule change. So things, something a lot of us are unfamiliar with, and it's you know this is kind of how it plays out. Yeah, and uh, you know we also should mention that uh, Savion Patton from uh, Cuero, who was picked up and signed as a free agent by the Atlanta Falcons, was also waived. Unfortunately, they didn't pick him up on the practice squad. And, uh, you know, it's like. Uh, the quote we had from uh, Matthew Slater about Bailey, you know, he's a big Bailey fan, but like he said, it's a business, and uh, that's what that NFL is, is a business, and uh, you know, there are only 50, what, 56 on the roster? 53. 53 on the roster, so the competition is incredible. I mean, uh, you know, when I spoke to Savion uh, this summer, after he played in the XFL, uh, he said, you know, we have a lot of guys in the uh, XFL that are really good. Mm-hmm. They just couldn't get on a roster. So that that shows you, you know, how difficult it is. And I think, uh, you know, a lot of high school players might take note of this. Uh, you know, it's all right to dream about playing in the NFL, but you have to know the reality is – and the reality is very few people make the NFL. Well, then even once you're in there, it's, I mean, you know, Bailey Zappi comes in as a fourth-round pick. So the team has, you know, a legitimate investment into him. Um, he starts a couple of games last year. He, You know, he's a backup quarterback, performs about as well as you could, you know, reasonably hope for. And it's still, you know, whether it's – I know the Patriots, they've had some offensive line injuries. They've had – you know, so they're trying to kind of still sort that out. So my guess is they want to keep extra offensive linemen for what's going on right now. And that's, you know, somewhat – you know, it's a zero-sum game. If I'm going to be on the roster, that means someone is not going to be on the <laughs> roster. And in this case, if someone is, is Bailey. So it's – so the one thing I'll say, and this is pure uh, – th- this is just pure, like, vibes and hunch on my part – so, you, Mike, you mentioned, like, you can't go through with one quarterback and you probably need three. Um, well, who's a team that, whose quarterback always seems to get hurt? And that's the San Francisco 49ers. And now they just, you know, they just traded away Trey Lance. They have Brock Purdy, who's coming off Tommy John surgery, and Sam Darnold, who has not had the greatest start to an NFL career, to put it in the most <laughs> friendly way possible. Um is that and again Bailey Zappi kind of fits that mo of you know he can move a little bit but he's gonna you know he's just gonna distribute the ball not make mistakes do you know 
kind of be an extension of the coach on the field and just do what he's told in a sense, not try to do too much. So that's something to watch for. Bailey Zappi being on the practice squad. If someone's quarterback gets hurt and it's someone who maybe rated Zappi coming out of the draft or like what they saw from him last season, and it could not just the 49ers, it could be the Rams or the Minnesota Vikings or any one of other, the other 31 NFL teams. Um, if their quarterback gets hurt or they're unhappy with their backup or any number of things, Zappi can now be signed from the Patriots practice squad to any NFL roster. So that's something to watch out for is, you know, if quarterbacks get hurt, you know, and inevitably they do, that's, you know, Zappi could be on the move in the, you know, at some point during the season. Yeah, that's an excellent point because, you know, you mentioned the Rams with Matthew Stafford. I mean, they're in kind of a rebuilding mode. And, you know, here you've got a guy that's, getting near the end of his career it was hurt last year so uh yeah there are a lot of possibilities out there and uh basically we just hope uh bailey gets a, gets an opportunity yeah we, we want to see bailey sappy on the field man it's good for y'all it's good for us we enjoy seeing someone from victoria out on you know out on the gridiron how fun is that well we're gonna hear this uh this message from white trash services and then we're gonna go we got actual football high school football on the field that has happened breaking down games what went on a lot of great games this week stay tuned we'll be right back i'm joined by bj nelson bj white trash services what is it and and, and what do y'all do Well, thank you for asking. We gather trash in the counties around the Crossroads area. We've been in business for eight years, and we have dumpster, trash can, and roll-off companies. And, you know, y'all are are big advocates for for sports throughout the Crossroads region. Just what makes y'all want to sponsor uh, all, all high school sports throughout the Victoria area? High school sports are amazing. One, they keep kids out of trouble. It teaches them about character, teaches them about right and wrong, uh, how to do better in life. You learn a lot of life skills in sports and especially football. And how can someone get a hold of White Trash Services to start their service, rent a roll-off, or apply to be a part of your team? You can give us a call at 361 I have a team of ladies that answer the phone and gentlemen. So give us a call anytime, 8 to 5 during the day, and uh, we'd be happy to visit with you about any of those things. And we are back. Episode 51 of The Grid. We're going to go quickly around all the games, what happened in week one, and I think we should start in Refurio because that was probably, you know, one of the best games in the state of Texas, and it, you know, it lived up to the hype. Mike, you were out in Refurio this week. Talk about, I mean, 43-36, Hitchcock gets the wins. They, you know, kind of still cementing themselves as the, you know, one of the best teams in 3A. Talk about what you saw. Talk about what you saw in Refurio. Yeah, I'd say Hitchcock is who we thought they are. Uh, They have... Just an outstanding skill. The quarterback, Lloyd-Jones the third. I mean, uh, you know, he reminds me of Vince Young, not in the saying that he's as good <laughs> as Vince Young, but that prototype, He he's big, he's strong, he can throw. Throwing is his first option, but if he has to, he'll take off and run. And he had a uh, 50-yard touchdown run against Refurio. He is a hard person to tackle. And... Um, you know, uh, Refurio jumped out on him a little bit. 
uh, got a lead, and basically I think the what happened in that game at the end is uh, Hitchcock wore Refurio down. Refurio has a lot of guys going both ways. You know, it was hot, humid. Mm-hmm. There were some cramps, but I think in the end, Refurio just didn't didn't have the uh, energy necessary to, to to make some of those stops. And uh, after uh, they tied the game, after Hitchcock tied it, Refurio had some unfortunate. Uh, there was a kickoff. They ended up getting the ball deep in their own territory. They had a penalty. And Refura had too many penalties. They have to cut that out. The other thing is um, my concern, and I don't know if it'll be a concern, but uh, they got to the edge. Uh, they didn't contain Jones. And uh, that concerns me because uh, there's a guy maybe in the future by the name of Terry Bussey, <laughs> and you cannot let him get to the edge on you. You have to contain him. So that's something. But, you know, that's why you play these games. I mean, they expose things in Refurio that they could see against Timpson. And, of course, they have all this time to correct that. Um, You know, Refurio had trouble running the ball. uh, And I asked Coach Herring about that. And uh, his answer was, and it made sense, that Hitchcock is so, so athletic that they just man up on you and put everybody else in the box. And then a lot of teams Refiro are going to face are not like that. They can't man up. So that'll open up some of the running games. So uh, Refiro, I think what they learn, they have to cut out penalties. Uh, they have to, uh, well, obviously turnovers. They had the one pick mm-hmm. six, which killed them because at the time of the pick six, they were up 12 to nothing going into what was possibly a three-score lead. Right. And then, boom, they're back the other way. Do, do you think that, like, if that if that ends up differently, Refurio punches that in, does that just change the whole complexion of the game right there? And I, I mean, that was still in the first quarter. Yeah, I, I think it does. And, um, you know, I'm not saying that Hitchcock couldn't come back because, gosh, they have the weapons. And uh, to be fair, there was one pass that Hitchcock threw where the guy was behind the Refurio defender and just dropped the ball Mm -hmm. so uh yeah and they had some bad snaps but i yeah i think if uh refurio takes a three score lead and they also had an opportunity right before halftime to take a two score lead if they could have done either one of those things i think it might have changed that game yeah, well, that uh, Hitchcock will now be a Hallettsville and Yoakum's problem. So uh, Levi Montgomery and Bo Robinson, uh, yeah. have fun with them. Uh, Jeremiah, you were here at Memorial Stadium this week. Victoria East, Charlie Reeve getting his first win. And we were talking about turnovers in Refurio. There were plenty of them in Victoria. Six in the first half from San Antonio Taft. Jeremiah, talk about what, what you saw from the Titans and, you know, Charlie Reeve's first win. Yeah, well, I think obviously when a team has six turnovers, uh, you have a good chance of winning that game. And for the Titans, they did that 29-21 win over Taft. Uh, Like you said, it was Charlie Reeves' first win as a head coach. So, um, you know, his team celebrated with him after that. But, you know, going going into this game, uh, you know, after losing to this exact, uh, not exact team, but this team last season uh, by about 30 points, I think, um, you know, East really wanted to, to get back and get this win. And, you know, into the game with a you know a fresh starting quarterback in Landon Partita, who you know he looked solid in the first quarter, uh, but then uh, Reeve decided to swap him out for Casey Coley, who played the final three quarters, 
And, um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, quarterback play from both of the guys, it looks solid. Uh, you know, not a lot of passing, uh, which you kind of expect out of two guys who are getting, uh, you know, first action on varsity. Uh, but Nigel Prater, he he really stepped up for the Titans on, on Friday. He had uh, 101 rushing yards, two touchdowns. Uh, basically, all of them came on a, a 57-yard rushing touchdown and then a 43-yard rushing touchdown. So, you know, after after those six takeaways, they were able to capitalize with those scores in the first half. So, uh, you know, going into halftime, they had a big lead. And then uh, co- coming out in the second half, it, it looked like they were – it looked like they were trying to, I would say, trying to not lose rather than win. And uh, Taft was able to get back in the game. With two minutes left, they had a chance to uh, to tie it. Um, but then the defense came up with a stop uh, on fourth down to, to close out the game. So uh, obviously there's, you know, stuff you can improve on if you're East. But I think if you're Reeve, uh, you know, on the Titans, you got to be happy with, with what you saw out of the team. Yeah, that's uh, it's it's real interesting to see kind of the how the quarterbacks are going over there because they, uh, you know, and we were talking before the show. It looks like Case and Coley's going to start this week, and Reeve's still going with the with the two quarterback thing. I talked to Reeve preseason, and he said, you know, through non district, this is something they might continue to do. Do you get the sense that this is something that's going to last a few more weeks? The kind of the quarterback rotation. I would say as long as you're you're you know able to see production out of both guys, and you know. If you're able to continue winning, then I think, um, you know, I, I would see, say you continue with, you know, what's working for you. Um, but I think if a guy steps up and he has like a monster game, then I think you got to, you know, have that uh, question of, uh, you know, who, who to make the starter full time. Yeah, I'm very interested to see kind of how this QB battle takes place, how it continues. One thing uh, that I noticed, and maybe Jeremiah can speak to this, what I thought was impressive was that. East, as you said, jumped out to the lead, but when then things kind of turned and Taft started coming back, what impressed me is that East was able to hold on because in the past that's something that's always plagued them. Mm-hmm. When momentum turned, they were unable to to adjust and to, to get back. Uh, I, I know it's the first game, but to me that's a good sign. Yeah, and I think it's, uh, you know, it, what really impressed me was the defense in that second half. Uh, obviously, they gave up those touchdowns for to let Taft get back get back in the game. Um, uh, you know, but they came up with, with a big stop on, in the end. I, I don't think they – I think it was fourth and 12 or so from the 50-yard line. So uh, Taft wasn't able to get, uh, you know, into East Territory. So I think that's really uh, the difference is, you know, the, the way the defense played. And, and you know, uh, the secondary was able to get two interceptions in – in the first half, so I think they—that's really an an improvement from last uh, last year's team. Yeah, and I saw you know I saw in your story as well. You're talking about hey, you know it was Prater one one of the guys that said you know we feel like Reeves come in and turn things around like they so important for them to get that win. And again, you you go through stuff all all off season, all summer, and you you know you do you do all, all you're doing, and until you get to game one, you don't know hey is it working? How's it? How's it going to pan out in the field? So to get that win, to kind of get that early validation of okay, we're doing, you know, we're doing the right stuff. Think big for, big for the Titans, big, big for them in 2023. Uh, Jeremiah, while Jeremiah was stayed here in Victoria, I went out to Cuero for Cuero El Campo, and uh, Cuero is as good as advertised. Um, that you know, story of the game was the second quarter, first quarter. It was kind of you know, kind of classic. You know, think boxing match, the fighters feeling each other out, no one doing too too much. El Campo actually got down inside the five to the two-yard line. First and goal, could not punch it in. Cuero makes a goal line stand. Very next play, Mason Nataro, 53 yards down the sideline, and Cuero was off and running. 
They outscored them 28 to nothing in the second quarter. Just completely blew past them. The last one, Jace Gomez ripped the ball out of El Campo running back's hands. Ripped the ball out, took it back, you know, 15 yards in for a touchdown. Cuero's defense, Jeremiah, you had talked about this last week where their defense looked good. They were flying to the football. Man, at line of scrimmage, it felt like they won just about every play. Linebackers flying around everywhere, you know. There were a couple – El Campo had a couple of big plays. They had a 59-yard catch-and-run, a 72-yard catch-and-run touchdown. Outside of that, El Campo only had like 50 yards of offense. I mean, this was a complete domination start to finish, Forty, I mean, 41-7. to seven. It's um, – and for El Campo, before we go any further, Oliver Miles did not play for El Campo. So this was not by any means full-strength El Campo, what can be expected of them to come because – not having Oliver Miles certainly makes a difference. But this is, I mean, for Quero's perspective, to dominate the line of scrimmage the way they did, to be able to run the ball the way they did, to even throw in the football, which is not something, you know, Quero's not, you know, not necessarily the most pass-heavy team, but they were able to throw it efficiently. They didn't turn the ball over. They didn't put it in harm's way. Nataro was able to get it into his playmaker's hands and make the right decisions. It's all positive. It's all positive for Quero right now, and they're, you know, for Quero, I wonder what you know. I don't wonder what Coach Fikach is doing, looking at the film this week, trying to tell his team, "Hey, we made a mistake here. We made a mistake there." Because it was a pretty clean and mistake-free, mistake-free football game from the Gobblers. So we're gonna head out to uh, we're gonna head out out you know Victoria West went out to Davenport this San Antonio Davenport this week they uh, sixty to twenty eight was the final Davenport got them and this was one coming into the game West knew they were in for a, you know they were in for a challenge Davenport's a senior a senior loaded team with you know not not just senior loaded but quarterback and all the playmakers back on offense and it looked that way talked to coach Boyce about it this week he mentioned you know he mentioned penalties he mentioned that there's some things they got to clean up so interested to see kind of how that you know they got Leander Glenn this week interested to see I talked to Cameron Repper as well he had said you know it was important to get that experience in there new guys showing what the varsity level is and then also just you can simulate the live action in practice. You can simulate it, simulate it in the scrimmage until you're actually out there. You're not actually out there. And I think there's kind of a wake-up call for a lot of these guys, so I'm interested to see the response they have this week. Mike, you went out to Tidehaven this week, and we mentioned it towards the end of the show last week that Tidehaven Goliath is one of the more intriguing games that was on the week one slate. And a statement made by Tidehaven. Yeah, they. I, we knew they would be good uh... – the score, the final score, thirty to nothing. That shocked me. Uh, I thought Goliath has a good defense, and uh, you know, for tight even to put up thirty on them uh, was pretty impressive. Uh, I know Dodds got his yards; he had one hundred forty-two, I think, and two touchdowns. But what uh, Coach Lucio told me when I went out there this week is that uh, they've got a play-action passing game, you know, off of Dodds. <laughs> that uh, they hadn't really shown in the scrimmages. So mm-hmm. I think Goliath, they caught Goliad a little bit off guard there. And, uh, you know, we knew, we said early on that Goliad may struggle some offensively mm-hmm. early. Um, so it's going to take them maybe a while to get going offensively. But uh, I think Tidehaven is a team to watch because, uh, like, uh, Coach Lucio said they've got some sophomores in the offensive line, so they're going to get better up front. And uh, once they do, I mean, if they can throw the ball with Dodds in that backfield 
and the defense playing like it is. I mean, that's a great combination. Yeah, I went out to one of their scrimmages when they when they went up against Shiner, and I was talking to Coach Lucio afterwards. And if confidence was personified in a post game interview, it was Coach Lucio. He he feels really good about this year's team, and he had mentioned to me that you know we didn't want to show too much. We didn't want to show what we could do. We wanted to get certain guys some work in the scrimmage. And you mentioned a play action passing game, and they got those two big receivers out there. They got a you know Kale Russell at quarterback who is you know he's solid he's not going to turn the ball over he's going to do what he's supposed to do and obviously an all-american candidate in the backfield with him yeah. uh this tight haven is going to be a difficult team to play against and as those offensive linemen if they keep getting better and better and better which they're sophomores so theoretically they should um again a tough team a tough team to play against out there out there at tight haven this year and we got to mention hallettsville and shiner uh, Jay Sean Price, that's the – there we go. That's the game summary right there. He had four touchdowns, two rushing, a receiving, and a passing touchdown. 41-8, uh, to eight, I believe, was the final over there. Um, and we we talked last week and kind of all preseason about, you know, Hallettsville, okay, well, Jorian Wilson's back, and they got their quarterback, and, it, you know, how's it going to look this year? And, oh, their running back goes and just has a career game in week one. Yeah, they uh... – I, that game really didn't surprise me. Uh, Shiner is uh, – this is a different year for Shiner. And, uh, I spoke to Coach Bedeker before that game. He said he had like four four guys injured too. So uh, Shiner's going to – you know, he expected this. They're going to have to go through some things while those uh, new guys get used to the speed of the game. And unfortunately for Shiner – all of their non-district opponents are from larger schools, so it's going to be a challenge for them. Um, but I expect by the time district rolls around that Chowner's going to be right there. And uh, Because if you look at what happened in their district with Three Rivers getting beat by Fall City, uh, you know, Ganado was able to pull out a game against Van Bleck. But uh, I think Shiner's still going to be in the mix in district. Yeah, I would expect. I mean, when I talked to Bedeker earlier, you know, during the scrimmage, it was, "Hey, we got to we got to figure some things out." Was kind of the tone, and also like these are young guys; they have to they have to understand what it means to play at this level, and that you know, play you know, kind of taking your lumps early. Hallettsville, we all expect Hallettsville to be a really really good team this year. I think they're probably at this moment one of the more underrated or I guess slept on teams, kind of in in three A with just you know we didn't see kind of the full version of them because Jorian Wilson didn't really play at all last year. Uh, so taking your lumps now against what's probably going to end up being a really good Hallettsville team could pay dividends for Shiner as they get into district play and eventually into the postseason. All right, well, we're going to hear a message from Thrivent Financial, and then we're going to talk about this week's games, and we're going to talk about some area volleyball as well. Episode 51 of The Grid. Stay tuned. Thrivent is a proud sponsor of The Grid. Thrivent believes money is a tool, not a goal. Thrivent financial advisor Carly Herrig works with clients to create financial strategies that reflect their priorities and help them protect the things that matter most, like family and giving back. Carly can be reached at 361-223-7883 or connect.thrivent.com backslash true-path-planning. And we are back with episode 51 of The Grid. Well, we talked about what happened last week on the football field, but the good news is, guys, we got more football this week. 
Victoria West at home against Leander Glenn. Victoria East going on the road to take on New Braunfels Canyon. Edna in Bay City is where Mike will be. That's going to be an awesome game. And Jeremiah will be out at Industrial as they play Shiner this week. Um, Mike, we'll go ahead and start with you. Edna, Bay City, what's one thing you're looking for this week? You know, and that, you know, that's going to be a really, a really big game, really good game this week. Yeah, I think it'll be a very physical game. Um, I've seen these guys play. I think this may be the fourth straight year now that I've watched this game. And this, what's unusual this week is both teams are ranked, which mm-hmm. is, you know, it's been a while since Bay City's been ranked. Uh, I'm really curious. I think the the trenches will decide a lot of this game because both teams have explosive players and uh, both teams have experienced quarterbacks. So I'm really curious to see who controls the line of scrimmage. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that as well. You know, both teams have some outstanding defensive linemen. Uh, Jeremiah, we'll throw it over to you. You talked to Coach Reeve this week, the 1-0 and at Victoria East, Coach Reeve. Uh, East and New Braunfels Canyon, what, you know, what's kind of something you're watching out for as East heads onto the road for the first time this year? Uh, the sense that I got from Reeve is I think uh, first and second downs are going to be big for the Titans this week. Obviously, when you have a, a quarterback who's going to be making his first start in Coley, uh, you know, long third downs are going to be tough, uh, you know, in the passing game. So I think if you're able to, to you know, be efficient on first and second down and get get yards with, uh, you know, Jakari Barnes and Jaden Williams in the in the running game, I think that'll that'll really be helpful for them. Yeah. Well, Jer- well, East is on the road. Victoria West is at home. They'll be facing Leander Glenn this week. I got to talk to Coach Courtney Boyce. And gosh, Boyce just kept saying over and over again, we got to fly to the ball on defense and we got to tackle. I mean, giving up 60 points a week ago, that's not, you know, that's not what Wes wanted. That's not really what they expected, but they acknowledge, hey, Davenport's a really, really good team over there on the other side. So they welcome Leander Glenn to town this week. They just want to tackle, keep things in front of them, keep things in front of them defensively. And those defensive guys right now are a little bit salty. Gave up 75 in a playoff game to Brownsville Vets last year to end their season 60 in week one this year. There's a kind of increased sense of urgency. Boyce said it's not, um, you know, there is no other game. This is the this is the only game on the schedule. This is the last game on the schedule. We have to treat this like a must win. So, he, you know, neat. he wants to see an increased level of intensity from his group this week. So I'm watching to see kind of how West starts out. If they're, you know, if they come out playing with their heads on fire, that's, that's kind of what I expect. Uh, and then Jeremiah, you will be at Industrial for Shiner and Industrial. Give me one thing that you're looking out for as you know those two teams clash. Well, the thing I'm looking for for Shiner is uh, you know how their run defense is going to perform. Obviously, last week gave up uh, what like 274 yards uh, on the ground against uh, Hallettsville. Uh, so that's what I'm looking for for Shiner. And then uh, Industrial, they they uh, they had a tough week one loss to to Yoakum. Um, and they gave up over, over 35 points. And uh, Yoakum quarterback Zachary Taylor, he had five touchdowns, uh, three passing, two rushing. So I think, uh, you know, I think really this week is going to be defense for both teams and how they're going to be able to try to slow each other down. Yeah, we talked a minute ago about Hallettsville being a sleeper team. Yoakum in that same district, they look. Uh, it looks like they're going to be pretty good this year as well. That district is monstrous. We already knew that. Well, before we close out the show, we're going to talk some area volleyball. We always got a lot going on over there. Last night, I was at Victoria West. They took on Columbus, currently ranked number eight in the th- number eight in the 3A coaches poll. 
pregame they honored you know libero jasmine valenzuela valenzuela just a junior you know still kind of in the middle of her junior year already got her 1000th career dig she you know first team all area for the advocates volleyball team last year as just as a sophomore and she's really the heart and soul of that west back line and she gets she gets to a lot of balls a lot of other liberos don't get to so a thousand digs for her they honored her pregame but West came up against a uh, they came up against a really good Columbus team yesterday. You know, Columbus big at the front of the net, a powerful outside hitter. Um, it took a minute for West to adjust. They fell behind 2-0 quickly, and it looked like throughout the first couple of sets, okay, 3-0 Columbus, and we're gonna head on home pretty quickly. But West started to fight back. They you know they ended up going on a 6-1 run to win the third set, 26-24. Came back. They were tied 22 all in the fourth set, and it looked like for a minute because they had to make a comeback to get it to 22, and it looked like okay, here we go. This is the third set all over again. We're about to head to five. But Columbus called timeout, composed themselves, finished the thing off 25-23 in the fourth set. So Columbus really really good. They you know. In Region 4 and 3A, that, you know, with Yoakum, with Goliad, that, you know, Columbus still appears to be the team to beat. They look really, really good. Victoria West, this is a game on a schedule that they wanted. They played Columbus earlier in the year. They lost 2-0 at a tournament. They were happy with their effort. They're happy with the way they fought back, and they're getting ready to start, you know, district play, maybe not zone play, but district play here pretty soon. Jeremiah, you were out at Quero this week. Uh, talk about what you saw, Quero and Post. Yeah, well, I think uh, Quero looked, looked pretty good in their game against Poth. Uh, they went up 2-0 early on, and then they, they struggled in the third set. Uh, I believe it was a 25-13 loss and uh, kind of bounced back in that fourth set to take it. But uh, they were going up against uh, you know, a Poth team that's you know, ha- ha- had a few struggles this year. Uh, they, they, Poth is now 10-21, Quero I think 17-10. and uh, 10. Um, So, uh, yeah, Quero looked pretty good uh, with a brand-new head coach in Leah Flores. And uh, they also got, uh, you know, a pr- pretty sizable team, uh, Arissa Carbonaro, who uh, recently committed to the University of California. Uh, she's about 6'1". Bromley Watson, um, Darcy Lennon, uh, they, they have some good size on, on that front line. So I think, uh, you know, this Quero team is one that can, uh, you know, maybe contend for a district title. At least, uh, you know, that's what they're hoping. Um, and they, they look pretty good in, in, in the game against both that I saw. Yeah, and Arista Carbonara didn't even play against both as well, so still able to you know come up with a fairly dominant win there without you know probably their best player. Um, and we'd be remiss. We got a couple of teams in the area who we haven't been out to see yet, but have been off to really hot starts. Goliad's currently twenty-two and three. They have you know Goliad has been one of the best volleyball teams in the area for quite some time now. Coach Jess Odom's got that group rolling, and they look really good once again. And then uh, Calhoun. Calhoun's been doing really well. They're twenty and three right now. They knocked off uh, Victoria St. Joseph over the weekend, which that's a team I think Jeremiah and I have both seen. We, you know, that's a really, really good volleyball team over there. So that says a lot about Calhoun being able to beat them. You know, in four sets as well, not even needing the fifth. So it says a lot about Calhoun. We got some good volleyball in the area. We got some good volleyball in the area this year. We're really excited about that. But guys, I think that wraps up episode fifty-one of the grid. We're past. Mike, did you ever think we'd make it to even the? Did you ever think we'd make it to fifty-one? <laughs> Gosh, who knew? You know, here we are, fifty-one. And uh, before we go, reminder to all you coaches out there: once again, send your information to sports at vicad.com. We want to get your stuff, get your stuff out there for people to see. So we're, we're counting on you. 
Yeah, Mike's been doing leaders. We're working hard at all that. So, yeah, send those stats in. We want to recognize as many of the good athletes in the area as we can. Once again, for Gabe Myers, alongside Mike Foreman and Jeremiah Sosa, thank you for tuning in. We hope to see you at some Friday night football games this week. We're excited to be out there, and we'll see you right back here next week on The Grid.